The first Sunday of each month in 2021, we are examining the issue of faith. So we are calling these Faith Sundays. And today we're looking at faith in the family. Raise your Ebenezer. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 5, it says, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Many of us have sung the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. But do we understand what verse 2 means when it says, Here I raise mine Ebenezer. The word Ebenezer comes from two Hebrew words. Eben means stone, and Ezer, help. So it means stone of help. These stones that were carried out of the midst of the Jordan when the people of Israel crossed were for a sign to remind the Israelites that God had done a miracle, that God had worked on their behalf, that he had shown up in their time of need. As we begin today, let me ask, what difference do you think it would make in your children's lives to see the hand of God move on your behalf? Well, the best way I can answer this is by personal illustration, by sharing a story that I vividly recall from when I was nine or ten years old. One day my dad came home. He had been out driving on a lonely stretch of country road when all of a sudden the truck he was driving started to, to shimmy and jerk and he realized that he was lo losing power and started to coast over to the side of the road. Even as he was coasting, my dad cried out to God and said, God, please help me. God, could you send someone along? Now, my dad was a mechanic, and he knew exactly what the problem was. One of the terminals on the battery would vibrate loose, and he needed simply a 3 8 inch wrench to tighten the terminal back up so that the truck had power again. But he didn't have any tools with him. As my dad and the truck came to a, a stop, dad opened his door and went to put out his foot when he saw something silver 
and shiny. When he got out of the truck, he reached down and, and picked up a wrench. And my dad, in later telling the story to me, said, Son, would you believe that it was a 3 8 inch wrench? Exactly what I needed to fix the truck. God had answered his prayers. Now, we didn't talk about it a lot, but I thought about that as a child. I thought about how the truck could have come to stop even 15 feet ahead of where it did or 15 feet behind. And he may never have seen that wrench, but it was exactly where he was going to put his foot down. He couldn't miss it. And God had put it there to answer his prayer. Well, that story had an impact on my life. I wasn't even a Christian then. Now, I want to take you from the 1960s when that happened to a Friday night this past summer. I had been working under the camp, and during that week, I noticed that my second set of keys for my truck were missing. I had no idea where they were. I searched and searched for them. I even prayed that God would help me to find them. I was 12-hour drive from home. I did have my spare set of keys, but I needed to find that other set. So I prayed about it. A couple weeks later, I had a problem with my plumbing, and I had to crawl back under the cabin and as I started under the cabin, this small, still voice whispered in my mind, do you think it's possible that you're having this plumbing problem because the keys are under the cabin? When I got to where the pipe was that I needed to look at, I had this sensation to reach back over my shoulder into a clump of leaves, and there in that clump of leaves were my keys. Wow! God had miraculously answered my prayers. Now, when I was new as a pastor, God over and over again showed himself big in my family's life. It was if it's impossible to please God without faith, according to what it says in Hebrews, then God knew that I couldn't have a healthy ministry unless he grew my faith. And my faith grew as God nurtured events in my life that required our family to lean only on him. He was the source of our needs often. I believe God wants all his children to fully trust him. And when facing difficulties beyond our control, to call out to him. He won't always answer the way we want or expect him to. In fact, just like in the that story I told you about my dad. My dad thought someone would come along and help him. 
He didn't expect to find a wrench, a three-eighths inch wrench, but God answered his prayers according to God's will. Have you witnessed miracles in your own life? Have you recently asked God for a miracle like I encouraged you a few weeks back? Have we stopped believing God to do as Ephesians 3.20 says? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. What a powerful verse. Do we believe it? Do we live by it? If we plant a garden, we have to prepare the soil for the plants. So we rototiller, break up the soil, we add fertilizer, and then we add water. In the same way, we need to prepare our hearts to see God at work. What does the Bible encourage us to do to help us be prepared? To see the mighty hand of God at work. Well, first of all, we're told to remember. Joshua 4, verses 6 and, tell, six and 7 tell us to remember. And listen to Psalm 105 and verse 5. Remember the wonders He has done. Wow. And then we read this about Mary in Luke verse. 19 of chapter 2. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What did Mary treasure up? Well, in the midst of this verse, there were miracles swirling in Mary's life and, and Joseph's life. The mighty works she had seen God do, she could ponder on those things when facing difficult times. It helped her to have faith to face the challenges. I believe Mary pondered these things when she was facing her difficult days. During Jesus' arrest, the mockery of his trial, and his excruciating death on the cross. I think Mary was thinking, how is God going to work? What is God going to do? Don't you think Mary was disappointed when they laid Jesus in the tomb? Don't you think she was wondering what God was going to do when the Pharisees and rabbis were screaming at the foot of the cross, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. And again, a verse later when they said, he saved others, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. 
But Jesus didn't come down off that cross until he had died. But hallelujah, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And this confirmed any doubt that he was the Son of God. What has set Jesus and Christianity apart from every other religion and spiritual leader in the past? Think of Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, and Taz Russell, just to name a few. All lived and all made great claims and have led great hordes of people to an empty existence. Because when they died, they remained in the grave. Jesus told his followers that he would rise in three days, that death could not hold him, and he fulfilled his word. God wants us to remember his mighty acts and share them with our family and friends. Can you imagine what it was like there on the shore of the Jordan? We're told that the Jordan River was at flood stage. The Israelites were needing to get across the water. How were they going to do this? They cried out to Moses. And they cried out, and they, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they didn't believe that God could work on their behalf. But then Joshua took over as a leader. And God told Joshua, prepare the people we're crossing tomorrow. And God, we're told, made the, the waters of the Jordan part. When did that happen? Well, I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. But what a scene it must have been that day. Wow. And God told Joshua to tell the tribes of Israel to pick out one leader to carry a heavy stone that had been in the midst of the Jordan across the river and to form an altar there with these 12 stones. And what were these stones for? They were to be a memorial for the Israelites so that not only their children, but generations to come would hear about the great works of God. Friends, I want to encourage you to Ebenezer with your family to remember the great works of God. And when God does something great in your life, just don't keep it to yourself, but share it with your family. Secondly, not only remember, but we need to expect Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, and it will be given to you. Several years ago, I heard about a story of a man on trial for committing a murder. But there was a problem in the prosecution's argument, for they had no body of a victim. In the closing argument, even though 
the prosecution had given overwhelming evidence. The defense lawyer said, in one minute, the supposed victim is going to walk into the back door of the courtroom, and you're going to see for yourself that he's alive. Well, the defense lawyer looked at his watch and noticed that all the jurors' eyes were on that back door, expecting the victim to walk in. But a minute went by, and nothing happened. Then the lawyer said, when I said the victim was going to walk in the back door of the courtroom, I looked at you jurors, and every one of you were looking at that door. Every one of you expected the victim to walk in. And that, my friends, is reasonable doubt, because you did not know if he was alive or not. You must find the accused innocent. Well, just a few hours later, the jurors came back from deliberating and gave their verdict, guilty. When asked why, they said they had wondered if the victim would walk in. But they looked at the accused, and never once did the accused look back. He knew that the victim was not walking in. He knew that he had killed that man. Are we like this accused, never believing, therefore seldom seeing the mighty hand of God at work? You say, Pastor Lenny, how can I grow my faith? Well, you grow your faith by spending time in God's Word. Why do I say that? Because in the book of Romans we're told, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. As you look into God's Word, and as you pray and see God answer, your faith grows. Remember, expect, and then finally, you need to act on your faith. You need to sometimes act and step in the water before God works. Why do I put it that way? Because that's exactly what these elders of Israel had to do in carrying the ark of God. They literally had to put their foot in the water before God parted the waters. Do you know that Peter had to jump out of the boat to walk on the water? Despite the fact that a storm was raging all around him. And then we read about the ten lepers that Jesus said, Go to the temple and you will be healed of your leprosy. When those lepers turned from Jesus, they weren't healed immediately. But the Bible tells us that on their way to the temple, they were healed. They had to act on their faith.
I want to tell you a story in my life. It's, it's in my book called Raising Mine Ebenezer. It's, it happened a number of years ago when our family was holidaying in the state of Maine. And we were up at a cabin in northern Maine. And on our drive out, uh, we were driving on a slate road and a piece of sharp slate cut the sidewall of my tire. Immediately it went flat. In fact, there was no way it was going to hold air. All I had was a space saver spare. And I knew that that tire, only good up to 50 miles an hour and for 50 miles distance, would not make it 12-hour drive home. I had to find a, a tire. We headed into the, the nearest town, and I was, I was thinking, God, what am I going to do? I only have $38 in my pocket. I mean, this was a number of years ago, and I didn't even have a credit card. God, what am I going to do? I prayed. I asked God for a miracle. But that wasn't good enough, it seemed. God whispered in my ear, and he told me, tell your children that God is going to do a miracle before our very eyes. I was afraid to do that. I thought, what if I tell my, my children that God's going to do a miracle and, and it doesn't happen? I mean, that'll be devastating for them. But God persisted and kept saying, tell them. Finally, I pulled over and turned around and said to my kids, kids, God's told me that he's going to do a miracle for us. So I want you to pray that God will open our eyes to what he wants to do. I stopped at a gas station, went in. The tires that were on the van were an odd size. The mechanic told me we only have one tire that size. And I asked him, how much will it cost to have you put it on my rim and on the vehicle? $80. I went back out to the car dejected. I didn't know what to do. I said, God, I, I got to have a tire. Well, I said to my kids, kids, I sense that as we drive through this town, we should be looking on side streets to see if there are any tires out on the curb. Now that's, think about that for a minute. Like, would you ever tell your kids that? But I did. I heard the voice of God whispering. Shortly after that, one of my kids screamed out, Dad, Dad, there's tires down there. We pulled down that street, and I saw a stack of tires, and I said to my kids, what's the chances that they're the size that we actually need? I mean, remember, the mechanic told us they're an oddball size. As I pulled up to the, to the sidewalk, there was a, a sign on the tires for sale. I got out. 
I looked at the size, they were the exact size of tires we needed on rims. I knocked on the front door. I said, uh, an elderly gentleman came to the door. I said, uh, I see you got tires here for sale. And my van has a flat tire and all I have is a space saver spare to get us home. How much do you want uh, for the tires? And, and can I buy just one? There were four tires out there. By the way, they look like brand new Michelin tires. The man said, well, let me tell you about those tires. I bought a new car and those tires were on the car, but my kids said that they were gonna buy me a set for Christmas. And I said to them, please don't buy me a set. I got a, a new set of tires on the car. But guess what? They bought me tires anyway. And I don't need these tires. So would you give me 25 bucks for all four of them? I said, sure will. I pulled the $25 out of my pocket. And as I went to hand it to him, he said, you know what? I've got two more tires in my garage I'll give you with them. I ended up getting six tires, four that looked brand new for $25. God had answered our prayers. And what do you think that did for the faith of my kids? Finally, I want to encourage you to Ebenezer with your family and friends. When you see God at work, tell others. This is so important. We learn to trust more when we see God at work. Remember, expect, act, and then share. I want to close with part of Joshua 4.9. That verse says, they are there to this day. I don't know where those pile of rocks are. I don't know if they're covered with soil. They've been long forgotten by the Israelites, but I believe they're still there to this day. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to have our faith grow. God, as we read your word and as we see you move on our behalf, oh God, what it does for us. I thank you for the miracles that I've seen in my life. I thank you that I was able to Ebenezer with my family. And I pray that you would help us to live out this sermon, to remember what you've done, to expect you for the things that we need, and then to act according to your still small voice in our lives. And help us to share what you do with our friends and family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.